just for the brief applause. Today, I'm going to do something that I haven't done since seminary, something that terrifies me. And when I decided to do it, I thought it would be like a cute kind of terrifies me, like, you know, I would get better at it over the week and wouldn't feel so scared of it when we got close to it, and that turns out to not be the case. So this morning, I'm going to preach without a manuscript is not something I wanted to do. I tried it the first time and I was like, this is going to be as bad as I thought. So I woke up at 2.30 this morning and couldn't get back to sleep. It's fine. I have to drive to Jackson, Mississippi by tonight. It's totally okay. Don't worry about me. And when I say that I did this in seminary, the truth is, so we were assigned, we had to preach one sermon without a manuscript, but we were allowed to have notes. And I was preaching on the Song of Songs. We were allowed to have our Bible there, and I wrote so many notes in the margins that you really couldn't say I didn't have a manuscript. And I will say today, I do have a little outline. I probably have 450 words instead of 1,800, but it feels terrifying. All the eye contact we're already doing is really difficult. <laughs> and it's scary because I'm not sure what will happen. I, I could go for three minutes or for, sorry, 25 minutes. I could repeat things a bunch of times in a row or most scary to me, I could get stuck in the middle of a thought and forget why I'm there and not have anything to say to you at all and we'll both have to look at each other while I figure out what to do next. It's scary, most of all, because when I have a manuscript down, the possibilities of what can happen are pretty narrow. And I'm pretty comfortable with them. Like, I'm literate. I'm going to end up reading what's there. I might flub a word, or I might add a sentence, or I might take us off on a joke that doesn't really belong in the sermon. But I know within a narrow range what's going to happen. And this morning... That range is much bigger, and that's terrifying, to be in that open place where I might say anything at all on accident or on purpose. That's what scares me. I wanted to do it, of course, for this theme for Be Not Afraid, and this whole theme is actually my fault. So every year, as your pastors, we set goals for ourselves for the coming year, three or four goals of things that we think we should focus on for the health of the congregation or for our own health and um, growth as pastors. And so one of my goals for this coming year has to do with the pastoral sabbaticals that we'll be taking next summer and fall and being prepared as a congregation for that and being prepared as a person for that. And I wrote into my goal about sabbatical next year that I will do two things that scare me on sabbatical. And after I had presented that to counsel, Scott Biederstadt raised his hand and asked the next most reasonable question. All right, I'll bite. What scares you? That's my best Scott Biederstadt. And I looked at him as I'm terrified of looking at you right now and had nothing to say. I, not that I'm not afraid of things, heights, moths, having my blood drawn, or really anyone just touching the inside of my elbow. 
I'm scared of things, but I couldn't think of anything that was the kind of fear that I wanted to bring to my sabbatical. And in that moment, I couldn't think not only of the what, but of the why, why I had wanted to do something scary on sabbatical anyway. Like the point of sabbatical is to rest and be renewed and, and maybe to reconnect with the things that give you more energy, not the things that terrify you. But this week I was reminded of the answer, at least to why, if not what. This week as I was preparing for the sermon, I found out there are two words for fear in the Hebrew Bible. One is pachad, and one is yirach or norach. I didn't take Hebrew in seminary, so I'm leaning on other people. Pachad, though, as I understand it, means the kind of fear of something that's going to happen in the future, that projected fear, that imagined fear, that a moth is going to fly in my face, that... I will forget what I want to say to you, that someone I love will die, that something catastrophic will happen. The everyday kinds of fears that I live with and the fears that narrow my world smaller and smaller to what is comfortable and safe. That's one kind of fear. And the other kind of fear is called Yirach. And here I do have a couple of quotes. The rabbi, Alan Liu, says that Yirah has three different meanings. First, the feeling that overcomes us when we inhabit a larger space than we're used to. Second, the feeling we experience when we suddenly come into possession of considerably more energy than we had before. And third, what we feel in the presence of the divine. He says, Yirach is the sudden and frightening eruption of a new strength. The feeling that we are possessed of more energy than we can handle, that our reality is not as bounded as we thought, but frighteningly boundless. Two fears. The fear that slowly narrows my world because of what might happen and the fear that leaves me in awe of how much more is possible in myself and in the world. That fear that expands me, that expands my world, that expands my sense of what is possible, that's of course the fear that I want for sabbatical or for any year. The fear that helps me grow to see the world as not as small as I believed or as I made it. So I came across these two words while researching the phrase, the fear of God. It felt like because we were doing this theme, be not afraid, that we should talk about the fear of God. It's a common phrase in the Bible. It comes up dozens of times. So if you grew up in church, maybe you've heard it. But even if you didn't, it's kind of common in the culture to say, like, oh, those are like God-fearing people, or I'm going to put the fear of God in them. It's a phrase that gets used a lot, but it's not a phrase I have any connection to. It's not a phrase that as like a progressive congregation we talk a lot about, the fear of God. So I chose Psalm 34 because it uses it over and over, whether you noticed that while we were chanting it or not. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear God. Oh, fear the Lord, you God's holy ones, for those who fear God have no want. 
Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. When I think of that phrase, and I think when a lot of people think of that phrase, the fear of God is equivalent to the fear of punishment, to a fear of what will happen if I do the wrong thing, if I step out of bounds. When the Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, that just means if I'm scared enough of doing the wrong thing, I will stay on the straight and narrow. It's like wait until your heavenly father gets home. It's that kind of fear. But if that's what that phrase means, then Psalm 34 makes no sense. This is a psalm of praise, a psalm of joy. I sought the Lord and God answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Look to God and be radiant so your faces shall never be ashamed. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy are those who take refuge in God. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. This is not a scary God. This is not a pachad God trying to intimidate us onto a narrow path. This is the Yerach God, an unimaginable power that has also chosen to dwell in and with us, a wide opener of possibilities, the sacred one who from time to time we recognize in our lives in prayer or in the natural world or in looking into the eyes of someone we love or into the eyes of a stranger, in holding a new baby, in sitting beside someone as they die, the awesome power, the unimaginable power and love that are present and possible. That's what it means to fear God, I think, to get in touch with that reality, with that deeper reality, with the one who is great and powerful and loving so much that it puts us in awe, that it makes us speechless, just standing there, looking at each other in the eyes, not sure what to say. And sometimes that's scary. It's, it's scary to go out of the narrow place that we've gotten used to, that I've gotten used to, and go into that bigger place of imagining what the world can be and who I might be in it. But as the psalm says, knowing that that power exists is also what delivers us from all other fears. Because if that awesome fear, if that awesome one that we're afraid of is real, if God is really God, then our small pachad fears, the projections and imagination that we bring to what will be bad about tomorrow are small in comparison. Smallest of all, preaching without a manuscript to people that you already know and love, who know and love you. Every step outside the safety of that narrow place, as terrifying as it may be, is just an opportunity to grow, to widen our view, to live in a broader place, 
grounded in the God who loves us more than we can imagine, to walk into a future that is wide open if we have the courage to do the life-giving things that scare us.